It's time for JT the Brick. What's up, JT? Gotta get this win. Get this win. Get one win. If anybody in this organization ever talks about losing in that building, they're gone. If I ever go to a game and my team doesn't care and they mail it in, I'm returning my season tickets. I don't care if you lose the game. You're going to lose, but act like you care. JT the Brick. We're trying to help the Raider fans get through these issues that they can't get through. And they just blame me, some of them, because they think, like, I hired the guys. JT's the guy who moved us from Oakland. JT's the guy who brought in Jimmy G. No, I'm not. I'm just a guy on the microphone from noon to two every day. And now, be ready. Here's JT the Brick. Welcome back, everybody. Hour number two of the show, and we are ready to roll. This hour is brought to you by Remy Martin. Team up for excellence. Man, I'm excited with everything we're doing with Remy Martin. Remy Martin invites you to Dre's Beach Club at the Cromwell every Sunday in August for Carnival Latin Sundays. Remy Martin will be there providing free Remy 1738 samples. Enjoy the fun in the sun at one of the premier day clubs on the Strip while a live DJ plays your favorite Latin music. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. That's going to be a lot of fun. We'll have a bunch of activations with them. We love talking about Remy Martin. You know, I love all of their brands. They do a great job. And I love the term Team Up for Excellence because that's what we try to do on the radio a couple hours a day here when I'm not doing more radio. So I'm here today. I'm here tomorrow. I'm thrilled to do that. Harry will be in for me end of the week, a tradition unlike any other. I fill in for Jim Rome in L.A. I do that about five times a summer. I got two shows coming up Thursday and Friday, which will be Heavy Raiders. Raider guest, big Raider guest, doing that too. Uh, he's not on the market here anymore. I appreciate them allowing me to do that and to do that. And everybody knows I won. Well, not everybody knows. You might not even care. But I won the first Jim Rome smack off. He started my career. And uh, I've been doing this for about four or five years in the summer. And then we got the Niner game coming up right around the corner. Alumni weekend. A lot going on. If you're going to the soccer games, if you're seeing some of these soccer games in town, I want to hear about that. So before I get back to the all-time Raider wide receivers, I just bumped into one of our sales managers in the hallway. I'm always walking the hallway trying to get the sales up, right? I do this for money and fun. But, you know, you got to make some money, and the salespeople here are incredible. And he's a diehard Raider fan from the 60s and 70s, diehard. And he basically said, my big decision is going to come down to our Powell or Warren Wells on that first team. He's not talking about, and he says, how do you not include Jerry Rice? And I said, well, how do I not? How do I put Jerry Rice on the second team and not the first? He goes, well, because Jerry Rice didn't play long. I said, but he played well. And he, he played well for the Raiders, and he was a great Raider. He says, no, no, no. This is about the Raiders all-time team. If you come to Raiders, uh, Jerry. So I said, you really think I should put Jerry on the second team? He says, no, I'd put honorable mention with a big asterisk. <laughs> He's the greatest receiver of all time. I'm probably going to do that. I'm probably going to leave Rice off and then have a big fat asterisk that he's the greatest receiver of all time. I could say that about James Lofton. Now, for those who tweeted me, and I got one or two tweets about Randy Moss, let me clearly again say that I'm the only one in this building, the only one on Raider Nation Radio, which isn't me trumping over other people, excuse the pun. I was there when Randy Moss laid down on the bench. I was there when Randy Moss quit on the Raiders. But once a Raider, always a Raider. If you got your new season tickets and you opened up the box, there's Randy Moss's number, and there's Randy Moss at Allegiant Stadium, and he's up there with his retired number there by the torch. I understand how great Randy Moss was. 
Randy Moss yells at fans that call him a Raider. He doesn't want to be a Raider. He doesn't want to be associated with the Raiders at all. Warren Sapp did. Warren Sapp was a legendary Tampa Bay Buccaneer, played for the Raiders, loved the Raiders. Did you hear Richard Seymour's speech when he got into the Hall of Fame last summer? He spent a lot of time talking about the Raiders. If you come to the Raiders and you're a Hall of Famer before you get here and you played for Al Davis or Mark Davis, you love being associated with this team. Why wouldn't you? They're going to bring you back. They're going to bring you to Napa back in the day. They're going to fly out to Vegas. They're going to have you on the field and dinners. This is the way this organization runs. They do it the right way. So I haven't figured out what we're going to do tomorrow on this one with Rice and obviously Devontae. I think Devontae has a chance to be one of the Raider greats of all time. He's not going to have the longevity of Cliff Branch and Tim Brown and Fred Bolitnikoff. We know that. It's impossible. He played a lot of time with the Packers, but he's proving to be great. Three of the greatest players on the Raiders currently, and we're assuming Josh Jacobs will be here, are Josh Jacobs at running back, Devontae Adams at wide receiver, and Max Crosby at defensive end. They could all be included in any conversation on all-time greats. The rest is kind of a reach. A.J. Cole, Daniel Carlson, yeah, great players. We included them. We included them. And we'll include other players there, too. But, you know, Colt Miller, for an example, all-time left tackles, offensive line. He didn't make the first team because there was a guy by the name of Art Shell who's ahead of him. We're not going to move Colt Miller there, but there were other players there, and he was worthy of a conversation there. I want to quickly get to Aaron Rodgers' comments on the what I think is really important because they play the Denver Broncos, and the Broncos are a real rival to the Raiders. After Sean Payton did something, a lot of people are saying, did he do it out of character or did he do it on purpose? He's going after Nathaniel Hackett, who was a train wreck dumpster fire as a head coach, but an overall good guy, someone Aaron Rodgers loves and now is his offensive play caller there. So Aaron Rodgers came to his defense. Yeah, I love Nathaniel Hackett, and those comments were very surprising. Um, For a coach to do that to another coach, my love for Hack goes deep. You know, we had uh, some great years together in Green Bay. Kept in touch. Um, love him and his family. He's an incredible family man, incredible dad. And on the field, you know, he's arguably my favorite coach I've ever had in the NFL. Just his approach to it, how he makes it fun, how he cares about the guys, uh, just how he goes about his business with respect, with leadership, with honesty, with integrity. And it made me feel bad that someone who's accomplished a lot in the league is that insecure that they have to take another man down to set themselves up for some sort of easy fall if it doesn't go well for that team this year. thought it was way out of line and appropriate, and I think he needs to keep uh, my coach's names out of his mouth. That is one of the strongest sound bites I've ever heard in my career on the radio. Wow. He just cracked a head coach in this league who's won a Super Bowl with Drew Brees and put up a lot of numbers. And Aaron Rodgers just cracked him. And Sean Payton is rattled by that. Now, you might say he's not rattled by it. No, he is. Because this just made Sean Payton look bad. So the spin that you're hearing is, well, Payton did this because he wants to win over his team. No. Payton said something very sloppy that he shouldn't have said in the coaching ranks and coaching fraternities. You know, Josh McDaniels hasn't won a lot of games as a head coach. You don't hear a lot of people popping off. Michael Irvin says something here or there. But the coaches all respect each other in their fraternity. And, you know, Sean Payton crossed the line. So they're going to play each other this year. The Raider game opening up at Denver is really important because it's a winnable game. We've discussed throughout the show how the pros have the Raiders winning under six games. 
well, I'm getting accustomed to them sweeping Denver. If they're able to sweep Denver, they're going to win more than six games. If they drop week one to Denver and have to go into Buffalo week two, it's going to be hard. We all know how hard it's going to be. So the Raiders, hopefully that toxicity and the fact that Denver's had a bunch of injuries and some players having trouble at the wide receiver position, I don't think Denver has a great wide receiving crew. When everybody talks about Jerry Judy and who they have, they have nowhere near the receivers that the Raiders have. Nowhere near. If Russell Wilson was the quarterback of the Raiders, he would he would do backflips playing with these Raider receivers. He does not have that in Denver. He does not. So we'll see how that offense goes up against offense here, but the Raiders are going to have to outscore Denver in mile high to start off the year. All right, let's start off with Dave in Chicago on the Raiders wide receiver all-time room. What do you got? JT, first thing I want to tell you is that this station and that stadium, uh, I've been a Raider fan for 56 years, and uh, you probably think, well, I've been from Chicago, how does that happen? My dad was an American Football League uh, uh, a fan of the AFL. Mm-hmm. And uh, full disclosure, I went to college. Actually, I grew up on the north side of Chicago, and uh, I, I, I played softball against Mike North and actually went to a junior college with Mike North at the best. Truman College. The best. And he, uh, and he could talk more smack than yeah, he's the best. <laughs> maybe Max, Max Crosby. In any case, here's what I wanted. I, I have to put forth my, my four. Mm-hmm. Warren Wells, Tim Brown, Cliff Branch, and my all-time favorite Raider, Fred Bolitnikoff. I don't want to make this any harder than it has to be mm-hmm. with the other four, but you made a comparison. You brought Jerry Porter into the, into the mm-hmm. discussion, and I think that Bob Chandler mm-hmm. is superior to Jerry Porter's position because Chandler was as important in that Super Bowl win, yes. and he won the Super Bowl versus Porter. Contributing, yes, but not winning. So I didn't want to make it any harder, but... Maybe I just did. Well, you didn't make it harder. You're, you, what you're doing is you're comparing eras, you know? Like, I know Mervyn Fernandez really well yeah. and Bobby Chandler. And then when we talk about Mike Ciani, everybody who talks about Mike Ciani says, oh, my God, if he wasn't playing opposite Freddie and what was going on with Cliff, and, you know, he would have been one of the all-time greats. And then you go to James Jett. I'm getting yeah. a lot of James Jett on Twitter. James Jett on Twitter. I can't put James Jett on the all-time starting team, but no. is James Jett my seventh or eighth guy on the back end? Where do I put James Jett? So that's what's fun about this, but you know, Fred Bolitnikoff, Tim Brown, and Cliff Branch are kind of immovable objects, but you know, Willie Galt, oh my God, Willie Galt's seasons with the Raiders were really productive, and then there's a guy named Michael Crabtree who won't make my first list. But very good, too. There's some good players. But Warren Wells is really interesting because Warren Wells on my list is either going to be there or it's going to be Art Powell. And most of the guys I'm talking to are leaning Art Powell over Warren Wells, and I need more of that. But I really appreciate your call, man. Thanks for listening in Chicago. I hope you're out there. I believe my boss has told me that I will be going to the Chicago Bears game in Chicago which makes my wife happy because she's from downstate and Illinois has got a college game on Saturday that she's going to attend and come up. And, man, how do you not go to Chicago to see the Raiders play? Oh, my God, what a trip that was. Bo Jackson, that's Bo Jackson's home game. He doesn't live too far from there, and Bo always comes in for that game, and that's a lot of fun. 702-365-9200. Richard in Las Vegas on 920. Go ahead, Richard. JT? In addition to the three Bs, 
let's add Art Powell mm-hmm. as the fourth guy in the starting lineup. Here's a guy that played four seasons for the Raiders. He never had less than 11 touchdown catches, highlighted by his first year in the silver and black, which was 1963. He had 16 touchdown catches. That's in a 14-game season. So over his 56 career regular regular season games, this guy had 50. 5-0 scoring receptions. He was a big man, 6'3", 215. He was was a stud wideout before the term hit the vernacular. And he played, at the time, it was split end. And I think if you talk to defensive backs from the old AFL Mm -hmm. or maybe some of those guys in the gold jackets that you mentioned, I think they're going to look very favorably upon Art Powell being that fourth uh, starter. Yeah, I would agree with you. That's what I have so far. Thanks for the phone call. Art Powell is seeming to be that fourth guy, but we'll figure out how this plays out tomorrow. Again, gold jackets. I got a gold jacket. Swear to God. I don't lie. I got a gold jacket listening, texting me now. Okay, so this is why I love this debate. And they're all having fun with it because they're not fighting over this. This is great. We're doing this all summer long to talk about, that's a great example right there. We're talking about Warren Wells and Art Powell and Las Vegas Raider fans know nothing about them pretty much other than Oakland Raider fans and fans who have been here back in the day. So I think that's a tremendous service by our channel here and our show to try to educate, not re-educate, to educate fans in a newer emerging market the entertainment and sports capital of the world, about the history of this team. And that's, that's why we're doing that. So we're just trying to get a conversation going about the history of the team. Uh, Brazy in Vegas, what's happening? Thanks for calling. Yeah, no worries, JT. Yeah, I think with this wide receivers, right, you got to chop the lock. Timmy, Freddie, Cliff, there's, there's, no, there's no discussion on that. But, yeah, I, I was actually fortunate enough to meet Art Powell here in Vegas Caught him at a Walmart one day, was able to get an autograph and everything and talk to him. He's a great dude. But, yeah, like the previous caller said, you know, he's fifth all the time and in receiving yards. He's got the 50 touchdowns. I think he's, he's your fourth, um, you know. But the Raiders really haven't had a lot of great receivers beyond those those four or five, you know, when they throw in Warren Wells. You, you've got a hodgepodge of guys like James Jett. You know, he happens to be, you know, sixth mm-hmm. all the time. But you got Jerry Porter, Swerve and Mervin, right? You got guys like, you know, Rice came in and Amari. But, you know, when you talk about Devontae, you know, he had 1,500 yards. He has another season like that. You know, he's he's top 15. He has another season like that. <laughs> you know, he passes our pal. So, you know, I think, you know, Top four, you, you got your three, Brown, Freddie, Cliff, I think Art Powell. Then you go Honorable Wrench, and you're going to Will Warren Wells. And then, then you got G- James Jett because he's up there so high. You go uh, with Devontae because he's probably going to end up in the top five by the time he's done. And then, you know, maybe Jerry just because of who he is. You know, me, I, I like Swerve and Mervin. He's, he's, you know, he was kind of my guy there when I was in L.A. and he was playing, you know, he's, He's sitting there at nine overall, just above Warren Wells. But, you know, hopefully this this year the defense can come and get in and be middle of the pack. If we could get that, Jimmy stays healthy. I really like our chances to shock the world, but I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. You know, I'd like to hear more people thinking about this shock in the world and what the Raiders could do. I don't think it's a far reach for the Raiders to have a very good season 
which would be eight, nine, ten wins, right? That would be good considering everybody has them in the tank winning three, four, or five. Uh, and then a possibility to be a playoff team if the offense clicks in camp here with Jimmy Garoppolo. And, again, I'm looking forward to seeing another padded practice. I'm looking forward to seeing Jimmy with the work he's doing leading up to the Niner game. A lot of my prep next week is going to be heavy on the Niners and what the Niners look like and all of that. Um, when it comes to this, I'm fascinated to see what you believe is going to be the key to the Raiders getting off to a good start. You know, I, I would have loved to have seen the Raiders have an easy game early in the season. What's an easy game? Well, none of them's easy, but just a lesser opponent or a home game. If the Raiders opened up at home against Denver before on the road at Buffalo, I think the Raiders come out 1-1 one and one at worst, and we're off to a pretty good start with Sunday night against Pittsburgh. But opening up with two on the road makes this very difficult. It does, and we're going we're gonna to err on the side of being positive, and hopefully Brandon Faison doesn't have a serious injury as we're waiting for this information. All of this in general is very important to the Raiders starting off fast. And what will be the philosophy of Josh McDaniels to get these guys out of pads, having them fresh, trying to figure out a scenario where they're going to attack early and be super aggressive to open up at Denver? I don't know what the plan's going to be. My gut is they got to keep this team because this is not an elite team. They have to keep it healthy. There's not a lot of room if they suffer a significant injury. I mean a big injury. So I think that if you're going to sit here and, look, and err on the side of caution, you're not going to see these guys play a lot. But today they practice hard. Today they had a really hard padded practice, which is good. And then they're going to have the workout against the 49ers and the Rams. And to see that happen, there's going to be a lot of physicality thrown around. They'll be peaking at the right time. Got to keep this team healthy. A lot of teams are suffering injuries already. When Joe Burrow went down, and I was, I was at this wedding weekend in upstate New York, and that broke. Woo! When I initially saw the video of him just hobbling, non, non-contact injury, I thought he was done for the year. Then they came back with the calf injury. Antonio and Modesto, all-time wide receivers. Go ahead. Hey, uh, JT, man. I, great show. First of that, that the guy you had on, on the over and under, man. Um, yeah, i got to drop at least a couple hundred, man. Um, I, I, six and a half, man. we got to get six and a half. I'm going to give you my honorable mentions first. I'm going to go with Amari. Um, mm-hmm. Would have loved to see him have a better yeah. career with the Raiders. He got hurt. Um, I'm going to go with Crab just because I like the name. I never did like his chain getting snapped. That really bugged me. Till this day, I've never gotten over that. Bob Chandler, the guy beat me to the punch in that one. Bob mm-hmm. Chandler helped the Raiders win that Super Bowl. Gary Porter, great, great physique, solid player. And then honorable, honorable mention, DHB. I think he kind of touched on Darius Heron Bay. I think he caught that touchdown on the, on the day after Al Davis passed. In Houston, besides the touch, the interception, I think Darius Hurd made contact on that game. Mm-hmm. So those are my honor mentions. Um, the t- obvious four, the obvious three, you know them: Timmy, Cliff, and Freddie. Freddie with the, with the MVP in Super Bowl eleven, and, and the next year he plays hurt in the AFC Championship game. Dang it! I wish they would have beat the Broncos. And then I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Jerry Rice. I think Jerry mm-hmm. Rice, much as he was only there for he had a, he had a cup of coffee in Oakland, but I think he put the Raiders over the top to get us to the Super Bowl against the, uh, the, the, the Buccaneers. And 4.5 is, uh, is Devontae. Devontae needs to get – he needs to go uh, 125 receptions. He's got to go 25 more than he did last mm-hmm. year. He did drop a big catch in KC that we win that damn game. We win that game. We catch, he, he bottles the ball on the sideline. We win that game with the, with the, with the field goal. So um, those are my guys. I, I wanted Devontae to get – 
20 touchdowns this year. He's got to go over the top of that. He'll be in my top four if he does it this year. All right. I, I enjoy the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, when it comes to, you know, I'm just looking at this list that I have here in front of me with Jerry Rice. And, you know, you look at Jerry when Jerry came to this team. And he played for the Raiders from 2001 through 2004. That's a lot. That's that's enough. I mean, look, he, he, Jerry Rice played in a number of games for this organization. Okay, it was it was longer than I thought. And if you look at his career and what he was able to do, I I have I don't have a problem leaving Jerry off because everybody's smart enough to know we're just having fun and we're talking about the all-time Raiders team, but. Even if you're having fun or not, or you're taking it more seriously than I am, you got to look at Rice's years in Oakland and say, you know, the Raiders, they got something out of that. They got, a, they got something out of him, and he played at a very high level and took his commitment very serious for the silver and black. Very serious. And, and I like that about him. And getting to know Jerry over the years, it's an honor to have interviewed Jerry a number of times here. But, you know, late in his career, the Raiders and the Seahawks, that was because of the emergence of Terrell Owens, and there was an opportunity to move him. On June uh, 2001, he signed with the Raiders on a four-year, $7.8 million contract after the Raiders lost in the playoffs, and then they brought him in. He had Tim Brown at 35 and Jerry Rice, and look, he, he played okay, and he had some big games. He had a nine-reception game against the Chargers for 108 yards. When you look at the performances that he had, he caught 83 passes for 1,139 yards and nine touchdowns. Holy cow. You know, Oakland finished that season 10-6, and six, made the postseason. The Raiders played the Jets in the wild card. Rice had nine receptions for 183 yards and a touchdown. In the divisional round, they went up against Brady and the Patriots in the tuck rule game. Right? So he played in that. And then in 2002, Rice caught 92 passes for 1,211 yards and seven touchdowns and went to his 13th Pro Bowl. Second team All-Pro with Gannon. And Gannon won the MVP. How do you think Gannon won the MVP? How about Rice's numbers? 92, 1,211 yards. For those saying, well, Rice just had a cup of coffee with the Raiders. Rice didn't have a cup of coffee with the Raiders. He played in the Super Bowl. A lot of guys I'm talking about didn't sniff the Super Bowl. Again, we're talking about Freddie, Cliff, and Tim Brown. Untouchable. The fourth guy, God, am I leaning more towards Rice? I clean this up easy. I clean this up easy and put Rice as four. I'm good. <laughs> now I'm good. Anyone want to argue on Rice? Good luck with that. But leaving him off the list. And then Devontae, out of all due respect for Devontae, how do you put Devontae on a list when Rice is ahead of him and Rice is the greatest of all time? Are we having fun yet with this? Or is this getting a little tight around the collar? Yeah, getting a little tight around the collar. More of your phone calls, 702 365 9200. Raiders all-time receivers, the first four and the second four. Who do you have? And then we'll figure out the honorable mentions as we continue. Brought to you by M Resort, Spawn Casino.
They got speed in the guy right there in James Jett, one of the fastest men in the NFL. And it's one thing to have the speed, but it's another thing to make the tough catch. When it comes to James Jett, James Jett will be on the final eight, the total of the four starters and the four reserves. There's no debate James Jett will be there because James Jett put up big numbers with the Raiders. He was a speed guy as we take a look at the all-time team as we build this. Non-exclusive. It's not this is a Raiders. This is not a Raiders thing. This is a Raider Nation radio for some of our newer audience here who wants to come in. This is not affiliated with the team. Okay, This is just affiliated with me on the radio here as we're looking for some content here because I don't want to talk about fourth-string safeties and fifth-string cornerbacks. I don't. But we will if we have an injury, like today Faison went down. Uh, he could be a guy competing to be a starter or a guy who comes in and plays a lot. Uh, don't want to see any injuries going on here at all. So I'm keeping an eye on Tashawn Reed, Vinny Bonsignor, uh, everybody there. Oh, and the release of O.J. Howard. Uh, the Raiders released him with Michael Mayer, Horstead, and Austin Hooper. This is according to Vinny Bonsignor two hours ago, all having strong camps. Howard's fate was inevitable. The decision to cut him now gives him a chance to hook up elsewhere. And that's fine because I think Eddie Pascal just had him on a podcast. I listened to some of it. When it comes to O.J. Howard, he's a big, strong guy. He can play. He can play on this team. If they need more of a blocking guy and they think that Mayer is going to get more and more touches and O.J. can hook up with another team with an injury, he'll play. And he'll start on another team. So we wish him well for being here. And as Vinny also pointed out, that Max got after Michael Mayer today. And Vinny said, to his credit, Mayer was not backing down. Vinny Bonsignor, three hours ago. Raiders defensive end Max Crosby is putting Michael Mayer through a welcome to the NFL practice. Mayer keeps getting up, though, which is good to see. And there was a lot of good tackling going on on the first day in pads, tackling to the ground. But as Vinny reported early in camp, Brandon Faison just carted off the field that Raiders camp helped into trainer's room with an apparent leg injury. And we're waiting for the update on what's going to happen there. And again, this is camp you got to expect some injuries. The question is, let's hope they're not severe. Let's hope they're not severe injuries. And as Deshaun Reed said, Garoppolo bounced back with a strong outing in the Raiders' first practice of training camp with pads. Didn't turn the ball over. Okay, not a lot of balls hit the ground. Had a few nice intermediate to deep throws on one-on-one, seven-on-seven, and 11-on-11. Was more run focused. So, again, Jimmy's going to have a lot of good days there because he's a pro. And he's been through a lot of camps, and he knows what his reps mean to him. So he'll get going right here. 702-365-9200 as we continue on. A Raider 66 in Vegas. Man, do I count on his calls as we build the wide receiver room all time. How do you have it? Hey, JT, I love this kind of stuff. I mean, this is you're uh, you're just uh, making my days with uh, with these uh, holes here. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to just give you my, my top four, but then I want to talk a little bit about my second four because those are the ones that, uh, like you said, the Las Vegas fans don't know much about. Uh, obviously, Tim Brown. Tim Brown, Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. 16 years with the uh, Raiders. And the first time he touched the ball in 1988 as a rookie, he took it back 97 yards on a kickoff return for a touchdown. 14 years later, and that was against the Chargers. Yeah. 14 years later, he takes a punt back 88 yards for a touchdown against Kansas City to become the oldest player in NFL history to return a punt for a touchdown. Tim Brown could do more than just catch the ball. He was our Jerry Rice. You talk about Jerry Rice a lot. He was our Jerry Rice. 
And who knows if the, the situation was flipped around. Listen to some of these quarterbacks that Tim Brown had. you got uh, Jay Schrader, Steve Berline, uh, Todd Marilanovich, Hostetler Evans, uh, Donald Hollis, Wade yeah. Wilson, and, and uh, Jerry Rice. Uh, hmm, let's see. Joe Montana, Hall of Fame. Steve Young, Hall of Fame. Jeff Garcia, Rich Gannon, league MVP. A little bit of difference there. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Fred Blittenkopf's going to be in. He is the offense's uh, answer to Willie Brown. He played 14, uh, 14 years, mm-hmm. coached 17 years. So most of the people on this list either played with or he coached them. Then you got Cliff Branch. Obviously, what more can you say about Cliff Branch? Uh, if I can get through tomorrow, I'll have some stories on these guys. And then my, my fourth guy, I've got Jerry Rice on there. Mm-hmm. He played three and a half seasons for the, uh, for the Raiders, but he's number 12 in receptions on the Raider list, number 14 in yards, number 18 tied, number 18 with touchdowns. So he's the greatest of all time. He, we, he came to us late, obviously, in his career. So who knows what he could have done if he had been more. But my second, guys, Art Powell. This is a guy, the first thing that Al Davis did in 1963 when he took the job was he made a trade with the New York Titans to get Art Powell. He saw this guy's speed. You know Al loves speed. He saw this guy's speed, and he thought he's going to be awesome. Well, he was. He only played four years for the Raiders. That's 56 games because they had a 14-game season. He caught 50 touchdowns. 50. That's number four on the all-time list, and he only played four seasons. The guy was remarkable. Uh, then you got Warren Wells. I loved Warren Wells, and I saw so much of him in Henry Ruggs. Uh, and if you remember that December 6th, 19, or 2020, when he caught that last-second touchdown against the Jets and won it, I said, deja vu, I've seen this before. 50 years earlier, it was LaMonica to Warren Wells in the same situation. The last seconds caught a touchdown pass. And uh, I remember because of my brother's birthday, but I said, man, this guy's going to be something. I hope he doesn't fall into the trap that Warren Wells had. And Warren Wells, um, for those who don't know, he had an uh, off-field issue. Yeah. He, he was on uh, parole for uh, domestic violence. And here's, a, here's the worst way, JT, to end a career. It's 1971 NFL All-Star game. Warren Wells is in the uh, locker room after the game, and there's policemen waiting for him. He had gotten into a bar fight earlier in the year and got stabbed by a woman that violated his parole. So he was taken away and he got released early. But part of the the deal was he had to go to a a rehab situation. And it was a very controversial uh, group that did this. And he was never the same. John Madden said he was just never the same player. You can ask Freddie about that because they were, they were really good friends. But uh, uh, those two guys were some, but uh, Warren Wells, 42 touchdowns in just 56 games. And in 1969, he had 47 catches, 1,260 yards, 14 touchdowns. That's a touchdown every three receptions. And last year, uh, that Waddle kid from, uh, from Miami mm-hmm. led the league with 18.1, I think, uh, yards per catch. Uh, Warren Wells, for his career, 23.3 yards. This guy yeah. was a comet on the system. And then uh, I've got uh, Devontae Adams in my second mm-hmm. for it. He only played one year, but he is number 41 on the, on the yards list with the over 1,500. Mm-hmm. And then Willie Galt, because uh, he's got a 20-yard per reception average for the time he was with the Raiders. That was just fantastic. But I'll uh, try and get through with more stories tomorrow, yeah. but that's my list, uh, JT. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. And as we know, Art Powell, he's up for the senior committee, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Unfortunately, Lester was left out of the last vote. But, yeah, Art Powell was one of the most impactful Short-term receivers in NFL history when it came to the amount of games he played, but the impact that he had. 
you know, the big debate for me is Art Powell or Warren Wells. And as I go through this list and some of the people are guiding me through all of this as we try to figure it out, you know, this is the big thing. I mean, Warren Wells, whoever I put at number four. So the, what, I'm de- what I'm debating here is Warren Wells, Art Powell, and Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice, after this show today, I'm starting to sense, should be on the all-time first team because he's the greatest of all time. No debate. But he didn't play long. But it, neither did some of these other guys. They didn't play long either. So if, if Jerry Rice played one year like Devontae, a good example would be James Lofton. James Lofton's one of the great receivers. He's got a gold jacket. Didn't play long, but we're mentioning him. You know, Mike Ciani, who I've become good friends with over the years. He had a really big impact on this team. Swervin Mervin Fernandez. Where do you put him on the list? Bobby Chandler, really important. Al Davis guy, big play guy when he was here. A lot of guys. Amari Cooper. I love watching Amari Cooper play for this team. I wish that was a long-term play for him. He didn't have the great body language. He didn't look like he was having fun. He was a serious guy. He played really serious. He wanted to win. He wanted to win all the time. But he wasn't a smile guy. Didn't, didn't talk to the media a whole bunch at all. I think I interviewed him once his whole time here. He moves on and goes to a nice move with him. What, what happened with Cleveland, Dallas. He's bounced around the league, but a very productive player. Ray row in San Diego. Thanks for waiting and being patient. Go ahead. Hey, JT. Thank you, and thank you, Bobby, for working the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've, I've been waiting for the wide receiver day since he started this list. Um, number one and two are definitely Branch and Boletnikoff. For everything they did to, um, you know, establish what it is to be a Raider and a Raider wide receiver, mm-hmm. the deep balls, um, everything Fred has gone on to do for the Raiders his entire life, and that Cliff did as well. Uh, number three is actually my number one, Mr. Raider, Tim Brown. Um, he, I've told you before, he saw his first play and rode out with him, you know, the, his entire career. Mm-hmm. Um, Raider 66 just hit on so many points about him. Um, but, you know, it's just uh, he was such a great leader on the field and off the field. Um, he was everything you wanted in a receiver. I think Devontae is maybe the first receiver that even compares to him in that regard. Um, you just think of Tim pretty much beating every logo in the NFL, you know, when you try mm-hmm. to think of his plays. You know, he'd catch the ball across the middle, he'd be gone. If he didn't make it all the way, he set up a rushing touchdown for the team. Uh, my first actual in-person game um, at the Coliseum was a divisional playoff, but my first game was actually Raiders at 49ers that yeah. same season, Mooch versus Gruden. Uh, came down to overtime. Tim made a move. You saw the ball in the air. You saw Tim breaking open. You knew it was six, and he turned uh, Candlestick into Oakland West. You know, yes, I'll never well. forget that play. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we talked about his, his uh, big punt return touchdown, but just so many times he made the big play. Obviously, his 1,000th um, mm-hmm. uh, catch on an awesome moment. Um, I do think that Jerry makes the list because people thought he was done, and he didn't. He Just like Rod Woodson, he was elite for two seasons. Um, maybe the touchdown numbers weren't big, but they were huge plays that he made. And, uh, you know, I think he contributed to what was almost Super Bowl teams. Um, but it's so close with, with those guys that came before him. And I think Devontae, he's one season early, but he could you know, end up on this list definitely if he uh, remains consistent. My shout-out is going to go to Amari Cooper. Um, you know, for a moment, I thought he was on his way to making this list you know, early in his career. He had some monster performances. I remember him single-handedly winning the game against the Texans in Mexico, um, beating the Chargers with a, a juke move while in a full sprint, you know, making them look silly. Um, 
you know, unfortunately it didn't continue and, and he's doing his things elsewhere, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, he was a great player to watch. So thank you for your time, yep. JT. Thanks for putting on the list. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for calling in. Can't do this without people tweeting at JT the brick. Now I'm an X. Twitter went to X right in front of me. I was looking at Twitter and then all of a sudden my little tweet bird went to an X. So there, and a lot of people are tweeting in on this as we come through tomorrow. Tomorrow, at some point halfway through the show, we'll announce this team. We'll tweet it out. First team, second team. I think the only thing I'll do different maybe in this category, Bobby, is I'll I'll add a I, – I might add a – and it's not taking the easy way out. It's just adding a name because there's no formula. I might add the first four with a asterisk first four honorable mention, which means he's above the twos. And then start with the twos because I want to go with just four and I'm torn between Art Powell, Warren Wells, and Jerry Rice. And that's what that's what we've been talking about in between here, in between breaks as we as we try to figure out how we're gonna put this together. This is getting a lot more complicated than it we is. thought it was. Yeah, it is. And I think the I think quarterbacks is supposed to be simple too. But quarterbacks, when you look at Carr, Gannon, we know Plunkett, where Plunkett is, and Snake Stabler. Blanda, Blitnikoff. Blanda, no, Blitnikoff is wide sorry, receiver. I mean, Blanda. LaMonica. Well, LaMonica. Where do you put LaMonica all the time? Are you going to offend people that Carr's numbers were enormous compared to LaMonica or the games LaMonica played in? I don't know. Playoff games, winning playoff games means everything. Devontae, Devontae is very tough here, too, because I want to acknowledge Devontae. Also, but when you look at Devontae, you can't put him in the first four here. He played one season. You can't. You can't. But Rice played three. And for two and a half of them, Rice was dominant and put up massive numbers. See, I'm I'm in the Jerry Rice with the great big asterisk on him yeah. mentioned thing, but I I, yeah. I, I I can't I can't see Devontae Adams, if he has another couple good years like yeah. he had, mm-hmm. he's gonna Jump right into that number four spot. You yes, know what I, mean? I would agree with you. That's a really good point. That's probably the big decision we make. Is obviously we don't want to offend anybody and have Devonte in the top four, knowing his skill set and his ability is right there. But you haven't played long enough. You got to play a number of uh, number of years with this team, or just have what the, the run that Max Crosby's having and Josh Jacobs is all time at their position. I mean, what do you what do you do? You tell Mervin Fernandez at Alumni Weekend that you're not there because Jerry Rice was there. I think Mervin could handle that. Mervin knows Jerry Rice is the greatest of all time. He won't be offended here. Uh, Jerry Porter, uh, me and Jerry did not see eye to eye. I'll leave it at that. Jerry and I did not see eye to eye, but in years past, we've seen each other at these events, and it's been very cordial. Uh, he was a unique player, very good talent. All right, we've been doing it all summer long. I haven't done this in a few days, but right now, I'll be the ninth caller. And you'll be qualified to win four tickets to an Aviators game and have a shot at winning the weekly grand prize trip this week. It is a week in New Mexico with hot air ballooning in Albuquerque, then three days in Santa Fe, plus 1700 in spending money. I've never been on a hot air balloon, but I see them from time to time here in Summerlin. Or you can just take the 3000 cash. Take the trip or take the cash. Thanks to Gettle Air Conditioning and Plumbing, Gettle. We'll keep you cool, but it's hard to spell. That is the ninth caller at 702-365-9200. Last call today on what we're going to talk about when it comes to this all-time receivers room. And we'll go around the league with a couple of headlines as it's trade deadline day. What are my Yankees doing? How come they're not selling literally everyone other than Cole and Judge? 
Get rid of everybody. The Astros acquiring Verlander from the Mets. There's a couple of deals pending tonight. The trade deadline tracker is up if you're a baseball fan as we wrap it up next. Well, he was my mentor. I, when I see Freddie today, uh, I always call him father because he was the one that took me on his wings, tutored me, and and made me the player that I turned out to be because because uh, Freddie was such an artist at running routes. And I, I studied him. I watched him. I was like his shadow. So uh, he was my mentor, and I, I, I owe a lot of credit to Freddie Belenica. Whenever I see him, I, I call him father, and he say son and stuff like that. And that's the first thing I see when I see Freddie. I say, "Hey, father," and he, "Hey, hi, my son." So, uh, all all my uh, skills uh, as a receiver, from concentration to the work ethics, because Freddie was a guy that that was unbelievable when his work that he was never satisfied. How about that? I'm proud to have conducted that interview. That's one of my uh, highlights of my life, interviewing Cliff Branch often and saving that one about what Fred Bolitnikoff meant to him as we wrap it up here. JT, all-time Raiders team. We will put together uh, the list tomorrow. Uh, The debatable topic, Warren Wells, Art Powell, Warren Wells played for the Raiders from 67 through 70. That's four seasons. Four seasons. And then you take a look at some of the other players that we're talking about. Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice for the Raiders. Really three and a half seasons for the Raiders. When you look at what Jerry did with this organization and team. So you you can't say the Warren Wells and our pal. They both played four seasons. And now I'm looking at Jerry Rice and I'm looking at his seasons and the dominance that he had. So he played. Jerry Rice played for the Raiders. uh, Let me get the exact years. 2001 through 2004. Okay. So basically that is 2001, 2, 3, and 4. Four seasons here, but really three of them. The productive years and two really productive. So just fun, just fun conversation. I think a lot of people who are listening to the show today and listen tomorrow maybe are scratching their head going, yeah, I didn't realize Rice played that long. I didn't realize that our pal didn't play that long. I knew how great I heard Warren Wells was. You kidding me? He only played that amount of years. That's why we're doing this, so people who are sitting at a bar can say, hey, I heard that conversation. I know a little bit more about these guys as we continue on and get rolling here. 702-365-9200 if you want to get through. All right, I got to clean this up with the fight. I, I missed the fight. I had my nephew's wedding, one of the greatest weddings I've ever been to, my first big family re- wedding with my sons and their cousins, so it was a big deal. I, I, don't, I didn't lose sleep missing the fight. But I, I went with Spence to win the fight coming in because I thought he had a better camp. I really absorb a lot of boxing. And Bud Crawford is a great fighter, and I thought Spence would win. I, I didn't want to pretty, I picked Spence in a decision because I didn't think Spence would get knocked down and knocked down a lot in the fight and get dominated. So I watched the fight, and I was able to watch it live a little bit at the wedding, and you don't want to do that because the bride is not going to want that to happen. So we ended up buying the fight. I was able to catch the fight and see it, and... Crawford humiliated Spence. So I went back on my timeline, and I had a lot of people fighting me because 
All Spence had to do was lose the fight and be competitive, and he'd get a mandatory rematch for a lot of money. I'm talking some of the biggest money you can see in boxing. And most people don't want to see the rematch because Terrence Crawford destroyed him. And going back and watching the fight, he did. So I got that one wrong, but who cares? I got a prediction wrong. Now, I grew up in an era that you get the rematch. And for everybody who says, why does he deserve the rematch? We saw the fight once. Are you kidding me? Canelo, Triple G? You go through the list of Pacquiao, Juan Manuel Marquez. Manny Pacquiao got knocked out cold. My wife was there, thought he died. People thought that he died in the ring. Remember when Pacquiao got knocked unconscious? He had a chance to fight again. I mean, people have gotten knocked out in their careers. Frazier knocked down Ali, broke his jaw in a fight. Ali beat him the next two. Errol Spence went into the fight undefeated. I repeat, undefeated, and he got dominated. So he deserves the opportunity for a rematch, in my opinion. And if he gets dominated again, then his career is probably over. Now, if Spence is smart, he goes, I don't want to take that beating again. I'll go fight everybody else. And there's weight disparities and who can go up and wait. You know, and Spence would like to fight at a bigger weight. You could just tell he's a young guy. What was he, 29-0 and 0 coming into the fight? How dare anybody say he doesn't deserve a rematch? He was undefeated. And he lost, arguably, to the best fighter since Roberto Duran and Sugar Ray Leonard and Tommy Hearns in the weight class. Yeah, you deserve a rematch. And when he goes back into the gym, into the lab, he cracked Crawford in the first round and didn't, didn't pick up on that. And then he got hit a couple of times and knocked down and, and obviously couldn't recover from it and was never the same again. But for those who are fighting with me on Twitter, I don't want to see the rematch. Who cares what you don't want to see? If Errol Spence can go to a microphone and say, I want another chance. I'm going to fight better. I'm going to train differently. I'll never make those mistakes again. I'd go see that fight. But a lot of people say, no, we saw it. We don't need to see it again. And, you know, that's why boxing is so great. But the promotion, I don't think, did very well compared to how it could have done because a lot of people weren't aware of the fight. There were literally people I was talking to at this wedding I was at saying, I can't wait for this fight. And they're like, what fight? The UFC card tonight? I'm like, oh, how do you not know about Spence Crawford? But boxing hasn't done a brilliant job at promotions here. And that's what happened there. So I'd like to see the rematch because I wasn't able to attend this fight. I thought if it was a great fight, which I guess wrong, I admit when I'm wrong, then the rematch could have been at Allegiant Stadium. I told that to Mark Davis over a cigar about a month ago. I told Mark Davis right to his face. I go, if this is a classic fight and it comes down to the wild, put the, put the rematch in Allegiant Stadium. I don't think you can now because Crawford dominated, or I could be wrong. But love talking boxing. Verlander to the Astros. Uh, the A lot of deals could go down tonight. The trade deadline is right here in front of us. Uh, tomorrow we host the show from the Raiders facility. Excited about that. So I'll be there from noon to 2. And we got a couple of guests lined up for doing that. And then we'll come out with our final list of the Raiders' all-time great wide receivers. If you didn't get a chance to call in, just hit me on Twitter so I could save it, look at it tomorrow, at JT the Brick. Hopefully Q will have an update on Brandon Faison as he was at practice today. And he was always, as always, right there at the press conferences. He's got a great show coming up next. Good to be back in Vegas. Looking forward to tomorrow, everybody. Thanks for listening.